We'll move forward now to the Stanley Cup playoffs, the Stanley Cup final that just wrapped up. The Tampa Bay Lightning won the Stanley Cup. And I know I'm not a huge hockey guy. So, like, obviously, I followed it and I saw that, you know, the Lightning won. But we were kind of talking about it before we got started here that, you know, there's a little bit of controversy surrounding that title win because I actually didn't know this, but there's like some salary cap stuff that's really different between the regular season and the postseason and how that works. And so, I'll let you take the floor, but like certainly very interesting. Yeah. So what's interesting is, I, I don't know, maybe your listeners maybe don't follow hockey as much, but Nikita Kucherov, the one of the best scorers in the league, one of the best players on the Tampa Bay Lightning. The Lightning are composed of several all-stars on their team, several great players, and they're for years have been pressed up against the salary cap. Well, Nikita Kucherov, the Lightning, in their last Stanley Cup run last year, Nikita Kucherov was injured and during the offseason got surgery. While he was on injury leave for the Lightning throughout the year, they spent uh, his money on LTIR. So basically what that means is his money does not count against the salary cap. It's paid a lot of money. And in the NHL, a lot of, a lot of teams are top-heavy with contracts and stuff. So with that money, the Lightning were able to go out and kind of fund their roster a little bit more. They were able to bring in some depth guys and really create a phenomenal team. And it made sure that after they won the Stanley Cup, more importantly, last year, they didn't have to get rid of anyone because they started the season with kind of a superstar in their back pocket. So they went the whole season. This is how good the Tampa Bay Lightning are. They went the entire season without Nikita Kucherov playing and still made the playoffs as a high seed. I don't think they, they did come in second in their division, I believe. But so they get to the playoffs. This is what's freaky about hockey a little bit. When you start the playoffs, there is no salary cap. So all, all restrictions are gone. You can have people come back. Nikita Kucherov basically waited in the wings all year to come back for the playoffs. In game one, he was in the lineup uh, against the Florida Panthers. And he was phenomenal in that game and was phenomenal throughout the playoffs. I think he's had – he had one of the highest scoring performances in the playoffs in terms of points, uh, which is goals and assists. So that's, that's what kind of, I don't know if it angered people per se, but it kind of put off some hockey fans and people around the NHL where the lightning really, really benefited from a guy sitting out all year on an injury where he was practicing about two thirds of the way through the season and had he come back at that two-thirds of the way of the season, they would have had to trade someone at the trade deadline to make room for him. And in the clear line. up some room for him to actually exactly. play. Exactly. And it is very frowned upon that the at the thought of a healthy player sitting out while your team is doing that good, while you have other teams struggling, just trying their best to maybe like a Columbus Blue Jackets team that's trying to bring in talent do everything they can to get some of these big contract guys and Tampa's kind of just sitting them in the wings. Now what they did wasn't technically illegal, right? There's no rule. The NHL CBA. Exactly. There is no rule. However, a lot of fans have brought into question. A lot of analysts, people around the league were bringing into question. Should that be a rule? Should there be more of a strict requirement on people that are playing in the playoffs? Should they maybe have to have 10, regular season games played or five regular season games played. It's, it's interesting. 
And so I guess my thing is, I was like, how do you tell, like, you can't prove to someone that you're healthy or not healthy. Exactly. So like, you can just, you can say whatever you want. Like, how are they going to call you out on that? They can't call you out. So that is, yes. So when the best thing to do would just be keep the salary cap through the playoffs, because that's going to force you to bring your best player back. And then you're going to have to make some adjustments. What's weird is it's really weird. And I, I agree. They have to figure something out, but teams in the NHL near the end of the season, the blue jackets have done this recently as have the Montreal Canadians and some other teams, Canadians, of course, the other team that was in the Stanley cup this year, they've had young players come in that are in college that they sign their pro contract and play for the team at the end of the year. So you see a lot of these rising stars come up through the end uh, of the season and into the postseason. I don't know how much that would be affected by it if you would keep the salary cap in place, but really they, I think the real reason for disbanding the salary cap when the postseason starts is for depth when you would think about it. Cause the last thing you want during your playoffs is for a team to be kind of scrambling. If a player gets hurt, thinking of how they can move pieces around to get a, get a, just a body in there, but right. there it's, it's really convoluted and it's really, it's kind of a nasty web of stuff that you have to sort through, but yeah, that's, that's in a nutshell, kind of what people are kind of dis- disturbed with, with the NHL's uh, reigning champions, the Tampa Bay lightning is that uh, they were, I think, if you count LTIR, which they had traded for contracts and traded for people's contracts as well, that let them go over the salary cap threshold. But because those players were indefinitely hurt, they go into that LTIR money where it's not against the cap. Right. So they were making they were making trades and stuff to kind of suppress their salary cap. At the end of the day, I think they were like eighteen million dollars over the salary cap by by the end of the Stanley Cup playoffs, and that. That kind of rubbed people the wrong way. And then, but to play devil's advocate, of course, they didn't do anything wrong. No, I mean, like props to them. Like if, if like, if he truly wasn't like, was ready to play, but they were going to save him until the playoffs to just, you know, keep all your guys. So that way you don't have to cut ties with anyone. I mean, that's just, that's just smart strategic play. And that's just a testament to how good the Tampa Bay lightning are that they were able to keep, a top five scorer in the league on the shelf while he may or may not have been able to play the, the thing and convincing him red- to do that too, because he may have wanted to play. And they were like, listen, like if we really want to give ourselves the best chance at winning this thing, we're going to keep you yeah. on the shelf and we're going to, you know, keep our core together. And then once we can have everyone together, we're going to bring you back. And he's maintained that he was hurt. I, I'm certainly well, not. He, I think he has to say that. Say, yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not going to go around saying you're too, you're not hurt enough or something. You don't, you hope nobody gets hurt, but yeah. He did have, I mean, who knows? He could have actually been hurt. He could have actually been hurt. We don't like know, hurt, hurt. But... Yes. And I, well, the thing that the, the, the main kind of info that people are latching onto that makes them think he may have not been as hurt as they're believing was he was skating with the team a lot. Like he was practicing with a, with like a team Jersey on, not a non-contact or anything. He was towards the end of the year, he was practicing really fine for them. Like, so that's, what did he have surgery on? It was a hip. 
had a hip surgery. Fair enough. I mean, that can be, I guess, depending on the severity, that could be pretty serious. I guess it just depends. But like, if it wasn't like a a major, major surgery where he needed to like, like, I don't know what the injury was, but I mean, I guess you could, I'm not saying that they were faking anything, but I mean, it could be pretty easy to, uh, you know, make something look more serious than it was. Yeah. And that's, it's, it's really weird. It's just uh, another wrinkle to what's been a really weird NHL season. But what's interesting now is the lightning were able to keep their team together last season, but now with an expansion team coming in, the Seattle Kraken, that's going to be a whole new wrinkle to the fold for everybody. And now they're going to have to be maybe making side deals with teams to, to retain some salary cap, maybe dealing with the Kraken, which is one thing that a lot of teams did with the Golden Knights uh, not last year, but a few years ago, was they made side deals. So are you familiar with how the uh, an expansion draft works? No. So I, I am not familiar, and that's what I was just going to ask you. Like, do they – like, is there a certain pool of players that you have to put together to, that you would allow to be drafted or – like, do you get to pick that or is just anyone on your team kind of just up for grabs and it's just random? So this is a really fun time to be an NHL fan because teams are dished out uh, two ways to protect their players. The most popular one is I believe it is something around, I think it might be four, four forwards, uh, three defensemen. It's more than that. I don't know the number off the top of my head, but there's, you can have, you have, you can have a, just for the argument's sake, five forwards, three defensemen and a goalie you can protect off your roster. Or there's another one that is just eight total skaters and a goalie. Now it's definitely not the way the numbers break down. Cause it's something that makes you make a hard choice about it. I know for a fact it is, but um, what's interesting is you're going to have teams that that's all they can protect on their roster. Your roster your game day roster, I think, is 18 skaters and, a, and two goalies. So teams have backups, backup goalies that are really good and, and rising stars that are really good that you don't want to lose, obviously. Some teams are forced to just trade guys and get something for them because it's not like Seattle has to give up anything for them. You can only protect that many people. Then if your player meets the requirement, you you're, it's hands-off. They get to choose. Right. So – when Vegas came into the league last, I keep saying last, last expansion draft, teams like the Columbus Blue Jackets made side deals with them. They traded them draft picks, and under their under their trade agreement, the Blue Jackets maybe they had three players exposed that they did that they liked. The Blue Jackets said, "You have to take this guy, and we'll give you two draft picks or right. something like that." So teams are making side deals back and forth. There's a report that teams. The Blue Jackets got burned really bad on that because the guy that they like almost organized for them to take ended up being a superstar in the league. William Carlson, Wild Bill Carlson. Mm, yes. Your namesake. And that's that kind of burned the Blue Jackets really bad. So a lot of teams are hesitating to do that this year. It's going to be fun to see who kind of steps up and decides to do that, as well as who moves around uh, as well as the off season kind of unfolds the next two weeks is huge for the NHL. That's really, that's really interesting. I'm going to have to you know, do some research on the expansion draft and just kind of follow it once it goes down. Now it's, with, it's fun. 
so minus an expansion draft where like obviously all of this stuff is going to go down with the rosters and a lot of teams could be without some players let's just say that there's no expansion team coming in this year wouldn't the lightning have to then this offseason you know make some deals to clear up that 18 million in uh you know in salary yes. cap to then so, be under the cap for next season because everyone's going to yeah. be assumed healthy yes yeah, so the way it's going to be is the lightning have some expiring contracts, which these, they have depth forwards that played a key role in their Stanley cup run, but they're not, they're, they're triple a superstars, you know, like phenomenal players. They'll, they're going to have to let those guys go. And those are players that in any other team you would fight for tooth and nail to try to keep them retained. But I think with their expiring at their cap numbers the other day, I think with expiring contracts on this team, there's still going to be a five, five million plus over the salary cap. Mm. So they're going to have to move someone. And I don't think they'll move a big name. They have a core group. That's kind of their stellar players. They have one of the highest, the highest paid goalie in the league and Andre Vasilevsky, but you pay for what you get with him. He is phenomenal. He just won the MVP of the playoffs with how good he played. They have Nikita Kucherov, who we just talked about. He makes a good chunk of money. Braden Point is another great player for them that makes a hefty amount. But they have two players that kind of started their their di- – I'm going to call them a dynasty now. Two back-to-back Stanley Cups and yeah. contenders the way they are. Two players that kind of started their dynasty are Victor Hedman and Steven Stamkos. And these are two players, because of the, the tax benefits that you get in Florida – they don't have to pay income tax mm. as much. So these guys were able to take some discounted contracts, not only stay on a, on a building team and a good team, but they're on team friendly deals where if they would go to maybe a Toronto Maple Leafs team up in Canada, where the taxes are much more heavier, they would have maybe commanded 12 million or 11 million. They're in Tampa making like eight and a half or, right. or eight. So that's how Tampa's been able to do it. It's been a lot of a lot of great shifting around of money and a lot of sacrifice by some of these superstars to kind of take less money, knowing that they want to be contenders. But they they have got to be the best constructed team in the NHL. I can't think of any other team that's better constructed. How much does Kucherov make? Kucherov, I want to say he was extended a couple years ago for around nine million. Nine million year. a year. Okay. And that's a lot. Uh, but again, he's another player that all the normally you wouldn't think they'd be able to afford a top five score, a top, uh, the best defenseman in the league, not really even debatably anymore. Victor Hedman is the best defenseman in the league. Steven Stamkos is one of the best scorers in the league. Braden Point's one of the best scorers. And on any other team, they are a team's best player. Right. But they all play for Tampa. And that's, yeah. that's what is just mind boggling when you look at how they were able to do this and build this. And all you can really do is tip your cap because it's kind of like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers where they've, they found a way to get all these guys. Yeah. The sign, like sign them all back franchise tag. And uh, you know, it's, it's phenomenal. It's something about Tampa Bay teams, I guess. And I, I really don't know. It's hard to explain, but. They, they have the kings of, of moving money around and financially being perfect, almost, it seems. I, I, I just don't – I don't know why different leagues have 
you know, different salary cap, you know, stipulations and functions because, you know, the MLB doesn't have one. So it makes it very hard for small market teams to even compete because they can't keep star players after a couple of years. The NBA has a softer one where you can go over the salary cap, but you've got to pay, you know, massive luxury taxes like the Warriors did with their core. Well, correct me. Correct me if I'm wrong. The luxury tax, does that go into a pool of money for smaller market teams then? Or what is the what is the kind of end all be all of the luxury tax? Because like where does the money go? Yeah, to me it would make sense if you're allowing these big market teams to pay into this luxury tax, that it would be redistributed through it, it or into smaller market teams. I think the MLB would be great to establish that. But that's a whole another tangent we could go on for another day. I, I don't like the fact that there's no salary cap in the MLB because it's so hard for teams to break through. So the NBA luxury tax, it goes a lot of it goes to funding player benefits. And okay. uh, so I don't necessarily know what that means, but I don't think it I don't think it really goes to smaller uh, market yeah. teams to use on their salary caps. I think I mean, it's just meant to kind of fund the NBA in, in a sense, I suppose. Obviously, the main draw is that it's a tax. So you don't, you're, you're financially constricting your team, but a team like the Lakers or a team like the Celtics can really go off and right. or like, have a day. You know, a team like the Warriors when they had KD and Steph and Clay yes. and Draymond. I mean, like, and you had like Andre Iguodala and like a bunch of good supporting players, like, if you have an owner that's willing to, you know, pay out because I mean, that, they he was paying. I Bob Myers was paying so much money in luxury tax to keep that team together, and obviously it was worth it. I mean, they made it to, you know, three NBA Finals with that group, including Kevin Durant, and they won two of them. Uh, yeah, and we're yeah. not. I mean, we're not blind either. I mean, you and I both know they're making money back on merchandise. Oh sure, and all yeah. So like, things. he's not he's not strapped for cash or anything. No. But that's that's what kind of keeps a small market team from being able to do that. Is that, like you said, they might not have an owner willing to spend. If that would happen to the MLB, where we're playing hypotheticals, the Pittsburgh Pirates would not even be able to come close to a luxury tax or anything, just because they don't they don't spend at all. Neither do the Tampa Bay Rays, really. Uh, well, and, those are those are two teams. And just, you you know Alec, right? Like, yeah, he's a yeah, big yeah, Pirates fan, and he is obviously he hates the way that they do things and I don't know who their owner is, but he wants that. He wants that person. The, to nutting, sell the, the nutting family does not, the nutting family does not spend very much at all on, on player salary. And it's, it's kind of like the Rays where they need to have almost success story after success story to, to really hit it big. Like, right. That's why when you see the pirates make a bad trade, like they did with the Rays, where they gave up Chris Archer, the Rays gave up Chris Archer for, glass now and meadows you look back at that and think oh no that's like the pirates have actually potential. like they have they actually like develop they have like actually a really they good form system like they develop yes. so many great players but once they you know retaining them is so yes difficult they can they can't keep them and so they have to trade them and they you know then they just remain bad but like they could actually <laughs> if they were able to pay players they would be one of the be- better teams in the league probably and that's just the shame of it to me when you watch when you watch a league like the MLB is almost like the little guy can't win ever 
and that's well it's, don't get it's me wrong. always there's, and don't get me wrong there's instances where it happens like the, for instance the rays last year yeah they made it nowhere the they, they made a series but but it's it's usually not that and it's it's a grind for i feel so bad for fan bases like the pittsburgh pirates like maybe even like the baltimore orioles that they're not big markets and they have to just fight and claw once they get these talents, like you want to see your favorite players stay on your team, but like a team like that, it almost benefits them more to get rid of those players for prospects and cash. Right. Like the Dodgers just rake in, you know, every big time free agent ever. They traded for Mookie Betts because, you know, the Red Sox, I mean, the Red Sox are a big market team, but like they couldn't even really afford to, to pay him. And, uh, yep. they, they got Trevor Bauer in the off season and he, well, he was with the Indians right before that. Yep. Yep. So like the Indians are, are a small market team, even though they're pretty good and they, they couldn't pay him. They also got rid of Lindor and they had to trade him to the Mets. Like, I mean, it's unfortunate. It just that never these teams, ends. Yeah. Never like ends. the only team that I can think of, that's a small market team. That's actually kind of breaking out of this. And they're actually going to, they're becoming a big market team is the Padres. They, they signed yeah. Machado. It kind of helped them grow a little bit. And now they have Fernando Tatis, who is one of the uh, – he's probably the best young player in baseball, but is probably one of the five best players in baseball right now. I'd be interested to see internally what unfolded. And I'm sure if we were living in San Diego, we would be able to track it even closer. But I wonder what unfolded with them because they were not a very good team over the last maybe no. decade. but. In the last five years or so, they started getting Will Myers. They started getting uh, Eric Osmer they spent money for, big, and James Shields. That, that James Shields acquisition, to me, is what kind of kick-started everything because he was a free agent that got paid a lot of money to go play there, and it was kind of out of left field, like, wow, can't believe they are spending. But plus, you, And plus you gave Machado $300 million, roughly. I mean – yeah, like, like I, I maybe maybe they were acquired recently, or maybe the owner group just had a change of heart, and maybe maybe at the end of the day they just saw their window open and thought, okay, this is it, let's go, yeah, pedal to the floor, let's spend and kick everything into gear. But I I don't like this is why I kind of don't like the MLB though because I think they abolished this, the the um, salary cap in the '90s or something like that. I don't think it's ever going to come back though because you know owners aren't going because owners whether or not they're paying players or not winning games or not they're all making a ton of money so the owners aren't going to want to do that and the players even for that matter aren't even going to want one because if teams can pay them whatever they want then you know exactly they can get as much money as they want because it's it's not a thing that would affect the little fish as much it's the big fish it's the it's the tatistas of the world it's the mike trout and all the all the big names you can think of that they would be the ones where their money would shrink substantially because again it's it's an ever going battle but i i just i don't know i i agree with you though it's hard to hard to really get behind and follow the mlb compared to other sports because i feel like there's just not as much parity right yeah i mean it's always you know the dodgers are up there every year the red sox the yankees like it's, I feel like it's always those three teams, you know, even the Cubs for a little while, um, you know, but yeah. they're, they're kind of not as good anymore. Um, but like, 
it's always those very big market teams, well-known teams that flourish. And then all the small market teams, they have to continually get rid of players. And I'm trying to think of a division that doesn't really have one of those big fish in it. You know what I mean? Like, could there really be a, maybe the Indians division, the Indians, the, I believe they're the AL central, right? Uh, We can look this up. The trying to think of any divisions that have these small market teams that aren't kind of top heavy with, with a big market that just saps all of the, all the potential away. They are in the American league central. The AL East of course has the Yankees and that's the Yankees and Red Sox. That's, that's yeah. kind of the big yeah. competitive. I mean, the Rays, the Rays have been a little bit of a success story as of late, but long-term they haven't been. Um, the N, I know just from the Pittsburgh Pirates, their division has St. Louis. I believe the Giants are even in their division. Maybe not. Uh, not the with the Pirates you're talking? Yeah. No, so the Pirates are in the NL Central and the Giants are in the NL West. So do you does any division jump off the page to you that has a, a young or not a young but a, a small market that is like have somebody jump out but like and, but and like the, leading their more, division yeah like a lot of parody in their division mm, let's see here in the nl i guess in the nl central like Mo- the milwaukee brewers don't strike me as a big market team but no, you know, they're but they're they, they but are, they're leading their division pretty handily and like Cincinnati's not a big market uh and then you have like teams like the Cubs and the Cardinals which like St. Louis and and Chicago I feel like are probably bigger markets than those two teams at the top so like that's probably Definitely. one where you know a smaller smaller market team is is leading the way and that's what's kind of shocking because like recently it hasn't been like that for a lot for a while the Cubs were kind of the top dog there with the Cardinals being the, the top dog before them. That's actually, now that I think of it, I point out the Pirates division. The Pirates division is one that has kind of flipped over recently. Um, the one that always strikes me as a small market team winning it is that AL Central, because aside from the, the Twins and the Indians, I think the White Sox are in that too. Who else is in that division? So we have the White Sox, the Indians, the Tigers, the Twins, and the Royals. Okay, so yeah. So you have the Royals be dominant there for a little bit. And the Royals are, are, you know, down at the bottom right now. The White yeah. Sox are about eight games up on the Indians right now. The Indians had won that division more recently than some of the other teams. So, yeah, it's – there are some divisions where some teams have some hope. <laughs> but, yeah, for the most part, at least historically looking at it, it's – it's a, it's tough for for some of the small market teams to really bust through. Yeah, I I agree one hundred percent. And actually, looking at the NLS, this is kind of a side note, but like the Padres are actually third in their division right now at fifty three and forty, and they're about six games out of first place behind the Giants, and they're four games back behind the Dodgers. So the Dodgers would probably be a wild card team right now in the NL, which is crazy to think, and the Padres this 13 games above 500 would miss the playoffs today. Unless it's That's kind of like, how, or is it the, or is it the next best two teams? That I think it's the two. World? Okay. Yeah, I think it's two. I, yeah, I know, I know it's two, but is it, um, 
so would it be like you can, the you can next take best two, two records or would it so it's only two from a division correct or can yeah, you have so can, or can I, you have three in a division i think you can have three in a division i think that's fine i think it's they take the top winner i think they take the top winner of each division and i think it's then you just look at the entire american or national league down the list and like the next, next best, best two teams. records okay mm-hmm. okay because I, so. I was thinking that it would like you had to be top two in your division to be considered. So the, the Padres could still make the, uh, the wild card then because they do have so. better records than every other team that's second or third place in the NL in their division. So yeah, the Padres would actually make the wild card today. I would, I would liken that, that, that NL West over to the, the AL East where you have the, the Blue Jays, the Rays, Yankees, Red Sox, and Orioles. I mean, that's you look at those those powerhouse teams, even the Jays with some of their young talent coming up. Unfortunately, at the end of the year, one of those teams is probably going to be left out, and you're going to be sour when you look across the other divisions and see. Well, the Red Sox and the Rays will definitely make it, uh, but you know the Blue Jays and the Yankees, I would I would assume are probably going to be left out. Let's see. Yeah, it's really interesting. Thanks for tuning in for part two of the sports talk between Andy Price and I talking about uh, the NHL playoffs, the NHL finals, and the controversy that surrounds the Tampa Bay Lightning for potentially purposely holding back a player who was eligible or available to play, didn't play him in order to save him for the playoffs due to the salary cap uh, differences between the regular season and the playoffs, all that controversy there. And also talking about the salary cap or the lack thereof in Major League Baseball and kind of the effect that it has on viewership and how hard it is to kind of watch and be a fan of baseball knowing that small market teams aren't going to really thrive ever in the MLB other than maybe a few cases. So uh, thanks for tuning into that conversation. Really interesting, really fun topic. Uh, And in the next part of Andrew and I's discussion, Talk about some of our favorite uniforms of all time across all sports uh, and just have a little bit of fun to to close out uh, our little Zoom call. So thanks so much for tuning in for part two. Stay tuned for part three coming up in a few days. This is WFS, The Will Ford Show.